da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are you serious? Ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime. So we come to you one man down this week, but as always, here on the Mad About Movies podcast, the show must go on and will go on. So I, Kent Garrison, your trusted host, am joined <laughs> by my trusted co-host, most trusted co-host of the two of right. you. I, yeah, I consider easily, you the most easily. trusted. <laughs> I'm yeah, here I think with, most uh, people would agree. Yeah, I'm here with, yeah, I think after hashtag Richard through the looking glass, <laughs> there's very few sentences that exist with the word Richard and trust in right. them. But, but uh, you're here, Brian Gill. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, man. And uh, this is one that I'm sad Richard is I missing. know. He loves this series. But he loves it. He is literally riding a helicopter through Glacier National Park as we speak. Yeah. So I think yeah. he's uh, he's beating us at this point in life. Right. He is, he's <laughs> yeah. doing better things than me. But I, yeah, I come I, to you. I heard, I heard their pilot died, and he's just circling. <laughs> he hasn't figured out how to land it he's yet. He's taken so. over the reins, and like it's right. going to be a while, I think. So if he makes it to the next episode, he'll have quite the story. He has but. a lot of experience as the former traffic reporter on our radio show. <laughs> right. he, actually, right. he actually drove a helicopter and reported the traffic at the same time, which not a lot of radio stations do, let alone TV yeah. stations. Not a lot of radio stations have their own right. chopper. Chopper Dan was his name. Chopper Dan. Rest in peace. <laughs> Very talented. But, Richard, uh, we miss you. And it's sad he couldn't be yeah. here because this is, uh, this is something that he adores, are mm. the Bourne this was like This is like me missing a Star Wars episode. Like, he loves the Bourne franchise. Yeah. It's his favorite thing. We have a lot of movie news to talk about, Brian. We do. There, there's still stuff it's happening. It's finally been a busy week. Yeah, yeah there's still stuff happening. Uh, around the movie news business, I am currently remote this evening. I'm not uh, in Texas with Brian. It's mm. a little later where you are. I apologize for that. But uh, I'm out in California at the uh, Nard at Cowboys Woo. Camp. Hashtag Cowboys Camp. And uh, come see me if you're you're in L.A. or you're a Cowboys fan and want to make the trip. I'll be walking around the fields with the camera. Come give me a high you, five, uh, and we'll talk about movies. You think you have a shot of making the team as like a nickelback this year? Okay, I do. Cool. They've asked me if I can rush the passer a couple times. I think they're just <laughs> scouting out in case they need. Could you Mike. put on like 150 pounds right now? They just needed, really fast. They needed me there. to play quarterback last year, but I couldn't memorize the playbook <laughs> in time for that week. So I need well, all that the help they seem to get. hurt Kellen Moore. Hey, oh. Hey. Well, <laughs> uh, it, it's good to be out here. I'm glad I can still catch some movies, but. Um, just an interesting note before we get started here with a little movie news. A few uh, rumblings, I guess it is, tonight. <laughs> but um, just something I've noticed, and it has become a pet peeve of mine, is the way you purchase a ticket nowadays. There's a choice of either – I don't know if we've had this talk on here before. I feel like we've uh -huh. talked to the movie-going experience a lot of times on the show, uh, separate from the actual movies we've seen. But – uh, this past time, I went to see Jason Bourne last night. Mm -hmm. uh, it was at 11 o'clock p.m. showing on a Sunday night. So I figure, yeah, I'm going to roll in there, you know, walk right up, uh, 11 p.m. This movie wasn't doing too hot over the weekend. It did win the weekend, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Star Wars or Avengers or anything like that, where you sure. know you, even at 11 p.m. showing on a Sunday night is probably sold out. So uh, I show up. 
I walk up to the kiosk, the automated kiosk, which I prefer, mm-hmm. and uh, scan my card and pay eleven twenty five for this movie, which was <laughs> right. w- it was just normal, normal screening. Uh, I guess it was considered a primetime screening since it was past 7, but 11 p.m., I don't know why you would pay full price going that late because they have so much less staff that late and things like that. But um, So I pay my money. I walk in the theater, and I turn to my right, and there's the actual ticket line, and it's got to be 40 deep of people. <laughs> and there's not one person using any of the automated ticket things around the theater, and there's like eight machines and i was just thinking to myself these people really that dumb or do they just what are the odds that 40 people out of the 40 people that need to buy a ticket just don't have a card like they only carry cash so i have to do this and walk up i just don't i've just never i don't thought that i guess the my point is the automated ticket machine is the masses still don't know about that and i'm i'm pretty happy for it because i love rolling up just mm-hmm. grab my ticket, sc- scanning my card, and like less than less than the time it would take me to tell somebody what movie I want to see and all that, and pick my seat and that that yeah. whole spiel. Um, and I walk in and see forty people in line, and so I go into Jason Bourne and go up and you know I'm, I'm seated ten minutes early. The, the previews start. I see a few of the commercials and the commercials thing is another kind of conversation, <laughs> but it's a big hum of pet peeve of mine because um, I think it's against the law. And we're going to have to get some mad about law, hashtag mad about law <laughs> listeners, um, tweeting us and, and telling us whether this is true, uh, that you can't show ads after the published time on the ticket. Like after the oh, time, yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed accurate. to show something that is a promotional ad after that time or promoting a product. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes, right. and I've noticed it at Cinemark worse than anybody, uh, mm. I'll sit there sometimes – five or ten minutes after the posted time, and I'm watching a Coca-Cola or an M&M's commercial. And I've yeah. almost said, hey, guy, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing this. But uh, that's sort of an, a separate complaint that I've noticed they're, they're getting away with a lot more as far as ads they're throwing at you in front of a movie, which uh, I think needs to change pretty soon. But so I go in there ten minutes early, get my seat, I'm all good to go. And previews start, and then the crowd of 40 people come in, you know? <laughs> like, by the time they, they waited that whole line, went out yeah. and got their large popcorn and Mr. Pibb and walked in, the, the previews were over, and the movie was pretty much started. So I was like, wow, you could have saved a lot of time by just doing the automated ticket machine. But, again, movie, yeah. li- movie life hack is the automated right. – yeah. And you don't have to talk to people, which, I, like I said, and I've said it multiple right. times, Always my goal plus. is yeah. to avoid as much human interaction as possible with all of my <laughs> daily life. So I love it. Do you think it's that people have cash or that they don't trust the their ability to operate the automated? I don't shit? know. Because I see the same is. at like Target and Walmart and things like that, where I, you know, I kind of re- I, I I fought against the self checkout for the first like year of it because it felt like every time you walked up the machine would break and you ended up just spending more time but now totally works it's great it's there's this is a no-brainer if you have less than i don't know 30 items in your cart you just you immediately go to the self-checkout and then i'll watch people get in line and stand behind four different people with full shopping carts and i'm like this is yeah this is wide open like you could just go right here this is not yeah I don't know why you're not. I using think it. It's the same uh, thing. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's I like think they don't trust their ability to operate the machinery. I'm willing to bet that uh, it's something to do with 
they think it's for people who order tickets online and that's where you pick them up. Like they don't that's get the fair. concept sure. of you can walk up and purchase a new ticket from that kiosk. Right. I think that's the okay. assumption and that's what I'm going with. But either way, life, movie life hack, the automated <laughs> ticket machine. This has been Ticket Machine Talk, your <laughs> weekly ticket talk podcast. We just talk about various ways of purchasing and obtaining tickets uh, and right. we're big among yep. scalpers. Scalpers yeah, if, have us on almost in their headphones when they're working events. They love ticket right. talk. If if this segment goes well, look for Mad About Automated Ticket Counters pretty yes. quickly. That'll be our next excellent another spinoff. Yeah. So, what was your sort of experience going to see Jason Bourne uh, this past weekend? Was it similar to mine? And no, um, something something else I want to say about the automated ticket machines. <laughs> sorry, before we move on, uh-huh. is it does save me a lot of embarrassment because. We on the show for the past four years have seen a movie. Some crappy movies. Yeah, we see a movie every week, regardless of interest level. You know, sometimes it's extremely high. Oftentimes it is, Uh Uh, and uh, sometimes it's not. But it saves me from walking up and saying, you know, one for (laughs) one for Secret Life of Pets, please. You know, and it's just me (laughs) alone going to see Secret Life of Pets on a Monday afternoon. Yeah, which was a great experience, by the way. I suggest anyone doing that. Oh, and, that's uh, another great life hack. Middle of the afternoon weekday shows. That's yes. that's the way to go. If you, if can you make it work, yes. if you're able to work in an industry that allows you to do that, that's the uh, one of the greatest tricks of of seeing a movie. Because like you, I also have great disdain for interaction with human beings, and there is no worse human interaction than sitting next to somebody that you want to stab in a movie theater. So, yep. middle of the week. Middle of the week weekday show or middle of the day weekday shows. That's that's where it's at. Um, so what was my your experience, experience yeah. was I also I bought online and uh, and used the automated machine to pick up my ticket. I went with uh, four of my four of my buddies and uh, we squeezed into the, uh, the 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 sweet reclining seats of the rave motion pictures theater nearest my house and uh and, and we were there we were locked and loaded for for born about five minutes before the show started which is the perfect amount of time get to get seated get comfy you know get your legs get some uh, get some stretching in get prepared for the film and and then you're ready to go yeah you introduced me to the fact that you can reserve seats online now and that oh saved our butts God, yes. at star wars last year yes. because i didn't think like i knew you can buy them online but i didn't think that reserved you a seat i thought that just it guaranteed you a mm-hmm. seat if that makes sense yeah yeah which i've been screwed over no. with because reserve seating yeah. is the greatest innovation in the last 50 years of movies like 3d don't care reserved seating that that yeah. is where it's at because it makes it makes everything so much easier and i said this coming out because i met one of my best friends my whole life was in town he lives in atlanta these days uh he was in town for the weekend we met up at a at a Tex-Mex place uh, to eat because he, again, he lives in Atlanta. He doesn't get to eat uh, good Tex-Mex. So we met, we ate dinner. Uh, we all left the left the restaurant at about 8 o'clock for an 8.20 showing, drove over, got our tickets, got seated, and uh, and had the best seats uh, in, in the house for me, I think, yeah. and, and had no waiting. Did not have to stand outside and wait forever. So any... Any theater, I'm to the point now where if there is a theater in the area, and there aren't very many anymore, that do not offer reserved seating, I'm out. I'm out. I will not go to that theater because that is, I do not have time to wait in line to make sure that I don't get stuck on the front row. You know, it's it's in and out. And, 
and I'm not waiting anymore. I'm past that as yeah. a person. No, it was so clutch for Star Wars. I think we saw the IMAX 3D opening night, mm-hmm. and we yeah, we just walked right best in. Best seats in the house. Best seats in the house. Didn't rush yeah. it. Just went and got our snacks and just kind of walked in and. It was so casual and awesome and stress-free, and I loved yeah. it. But I've been screwed over before because I went and saw The Hobbit, the first Hobbit, Unexpected mm-hmm. Journey, uh, IMAX 3D opening night, and took a friend of mine, and she and I were excited about seeing it, seeing it together and that whole thing, and we're like, all right, yeah, let's do this. We walk in, and we had to sit separate because there weren't two seats together oh, like by the time we got in. Rough. And it was, it was super rough. Uh, yeah. But... I, I that will not happen again. But this has yeah, been reserved seating. That's where it's this at. This has been movie going talk. I, <laughs> Brian and I do like to talk about the experience of yeah of screening films. If you're going to a theater that does not offer reserved seating, you're doing something wrong. Just just gonna put that. And out. I will Gotta, always suggest the the Alamo Draft House if you have one. Of your oh, That's totally. Always yes. the best time, yes. best place to go see a movie. It has everything we've been ranting about and raving about they take that Mm -hmm. into account and they have awesome pre-show and great food and nice people and Mm -hmm. and reserve seating and the whole like so alamo draft house they're not a sponsor officially but we do love them and uh, we attend their theaters a lot so we will recommend weekly recommend that right now well brian a lot of movie news rumors rumblings to discuss this evening Mm. the rumblings Mm. yeah one of these pertains to a reboot that i didn't see coming mm-hmm. this soon maybe thought yeah. it would happen i yeah. uh, didn't i don't think it's as necessary as a lot of people seem to think um <laughs> disney that's fair that's yeah. a fair way to look at it yeah disney continuing the trend of hey remember that stuff we used to have let's just do that again um this time in live action usually it's been animation like let's just make our animated movies live action let's do a live action jungle book and let's do a live action cinderella that's all great and uh those movies have made money but are they necessary i don't know so there's deciding this time let's remake one of our live action movies and one that was made less than 30 years ago in the rocketeer Mm-hmm. And this is one that I loved as a kid. I mean, I Same. I don't even yes. think I knew this was Disney property at all or anything mm-hmm. like that. I just loved this movie. I thought I think it might be the coolest suit ever on screen still. You know, it looks incredible, the design and everything. It could it goes well in, you know, Good, Bad and the Ugly, it goes well in Star Wars, it goes well in Iron Man, like it's just an <laughs> awesome costume. Like it fits sure. almost any type of world you want to put it in, but uh so, Rocketeer reboot could be happening, mm-hmm. and I don't know how well it's held up over the years. You know, I remember liking it as a as a uh, youngster. We haven't done a Rocketeer throwback episode as of yet. Maybe mm-hmm. we will before the reboot comes out. But it's uh, it's one that we always seem to bring up on the show as a "Hey, remember that movie?" kind of a movie. And uh, what right. are your thoughts yeah. on this, as far as maybe changing it up? But I think it, my opinion is, hey. It's still a fun movie to to remember, and uh, mm-hmm. I haven't forgotten about it yet, so I don't want to reboot until I've forgotten about it or think there could be <laughs> more stuff drawn out of that storyline or maybe it's more of a sequel, but uh, this seems to be a, an all-out reboot. So what do you think? Yeah. I'm actually really excited about this because I, I also really enjoyed The Rocketeer as a kid. I watched it recently, or half of it or something was on 
I don't know, stars or, or something right after I moved into my apartment and didn't have anything on the DVR. So I watched part of it. It's still very good. It's easier for a period piece, which this is as weird as that sounds, you know, when something's set in the, in a different era, it's easier to hold up, I think, than, uh, something that was, you know, current to 1991 when, when this movie came out. So I think it holds up pretty well, but the backstory on the Rocketeer is fascinating. If you've never, you or you can't, or listeners, if you don't, if you don't know some of the backstory on the Rocketeer, just go Google that and, and search through all the various stories. And I'm sure there's like an oral history or something like that out there about it because it's, this was supposed to be like the next big Disney property and it flopped so hard. They had theme park plans for it. This was supposed to make Billy Campbell like the Harrison Ford of his generation and, all this stuff was supposed to come out of this, and instead it just it flopped so hard nobody saw it, and it's become, uh, you know, a cult classic for for people from our generation whose parents I guess wouldn't take us to see it in the theaters, and then we found it on VHS or DVD later on. Um, I really enjoy this movie, but I do think this is the type of, you know, we talked about Ghostbusters a couple of weeks ago. This is the type of movie that I think you should be if you're going to reboot, and at this point, it's pretty much a lost cause to fight against the reboot right like it's we've we're, we've lost it's over it's yeah we, we just got to carry on if you're gonna have to reboot and do remakes and things like that this is the type of movie that i think you should be doing because it it's a decent it's a good property uh it's a fun movie i think there's different ways that you can explore this property from the you know the one that was presented in 1991 it but it also has enough of a following to where you do have some built-in fan base without it being a really hardened, large... It's not like um, Ghostbusters. ...angry group of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I think there's just certain movies that you just shouldn't touch. Whether Ghostbusters is one of those or not, I don't really care, but... There's I think it is. I think, you, I think it's, I think it's, it's kind it of proven, that it, proven that it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know that I necessarily felt that way when they announced uh, that movie or anything like that, regardless, um, you can't mess with certain movies. Like you can't just go and remake Jaws, you know, or Star Wars or any of these properties. There's, you can build off of them maybe, but you can't just go and say and say, okay, now we're doing this one and this is uh, this is the Ghostbusters, this is the Rocketeer or whatever. I think this is one that you can do that with because I think it has a. I think it has a storyline that's open to that. And I'm excited that they're going with, apparently the, the casting call, they're looking for uh, a young black female to play the lead. And I think that's, cool. that's kind of the way that you should do this. If you're gonna, if you're gonna reboot Rocketeer, then, um, then try to make it different, make it differentiate from the original and, uh, you know, and try something different. Uh, I think I'm excited about it. I'm a hundred percent in on this one. I think it's a, it's a movie that, kind of is right for that sort of remake t- storytelling. Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, it could definitely work, and I think it can work because they had the idea that it would work in the first place and with the first one, mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. it had so much hype and anticipation and potential, really, and I think they're just yeah. trying to maybe get that untapped potential out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, That's going to be interesting to see how they go about it, whether it's uh, – how much is playing off the original or if it's just something mm-hmm. completely on its own. Uh, right. Because the, like I said, the original is, is there, but it, it just doesn't have the, 
history that uh, you know some of these other like not like even RoboCop had or yes. uh, or Predator or one of those mm-hmm. that we've seen be rebooted. And Predator is getting another reboot, I think. Yeah, later this year, from maybe, Shane Black. Even? I think it's next year. I think it's shooting this year. Shane Black okay. is yeah. is the guy. I should say, just in fairness, I was also on board for RoboCop makeup make uh, makeup remake and Total Recall remake for the same reason. Total Recall, like, totally, I, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I think this is the type of movie you should be redoing. Like, Gone in 60 Seconds, Italian Job, those sorts of movies. Yeah, I'm on board for that sort of remake. Like, a movie that is 25, 30 years old and doesn't have any true cultural relevance now, like, that's what you can look and, and also has a property that that is worth exploring i think that's where you go with so i've been wrong multiple times in the last few years in this capacity so this could turn out terrible but how do you feel i like about, the idea how do you feel about the jumanji reboot i'm out on that i don't feel like that is i guess i just don't feel like that's a property that has any really intrinsic value like that's it was fine for what that i think that came out in 96 95 95 okay 95 uh yeah 95 and that's i think it's fine for 1995 i don't know that gosh that's a joe johnston movie too i didn't realize that rocketeer and jumanji are both the same director who also did the first captain america anyway um I, i don't feel like that movie is just that that universe is just dying to be explored again I don't know if you feel differently, but that's that's not a that's not a, a place that I feel like we absolutely must go in 2017 or whatever. Yeah, I feel like it's just going to be totally overblown. It's going to be mm-hmm. they're playing the game and the entire world is like another planet, you know, like it's just going to be so sure. over the top. Like it's going to be like Avatar level, not mm-hmm. well, not a, a half a million or half a billion dollars to make or whatever Avatar costs to make, but. Uh, I think it's just going to be like Jumanji felt so scaled down for what it is, like so isolated for how insane yeah, it was. Sure. It, you still felt like you're in that small town or with that small family or Robin Williams and Kirsten Dunst. You know, you, you still mm-hmm. felt the fear. And uh, I just think this is going to be totally overdone. And uh, yeah, it's it's The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack oh. Black and somebody else just signed on this week. They for, for they got a they got a Jonas brother. I think Jay. So. Oh yeah, Nick Jonas. I was gonna say Dave Franco, but it was uh, Nick Jonas. I often get them confused. Sorry. Right. So did they. So we'll have to see what, what that. I think Jack Black is like perfect for that though. Like if mm-hmm. you told me it was uh, Jumanji yeah. with Jack Black, and I would maybe think it was a more family friendly thing. But man, how mm-hmm. how much stuff is The Rock doing? He's, I mean, he's in everything. Think, How does he have enough hours in the day to? I know, I know. Have I do be on ballers and do Fast and Furious yeah. and do WWE and have Baywatch reboot and produce Gosh. Jumanji and do all this. I mean, he's the he's the most busy man in Hollywood and uh, most yeah. high highest paid man in Hollywood too. That's official. Yeah, uh, he announced Forbes named him that. Crazy. So he must Dwayne have. Johnson. Like, you know, he eats so healthily, healthily, is that yeah. a word? I don't know. He eats so healthy. It must be that he is just able to only sleep for two hours a day and he's fine, you know, or he, or he has some, maybe he has enough money to where he has some kind of time machine and is able to, uh, go back and, and, uh, and record another movie in a different location or something like that. Cause it's, it doesn't seem possible for him to be able to knock out as many projects as he I don't does. understand. He, he overlaps stuff. I mean, he just, he's got a 
Pixar movie nice. coming out this or a Disney movie coming out this year. He uh he wakes up at like four in the morning and works out. Yeah. Like yeah. he he by the time I'm up at eight AM or whatever, you know, fully going or whatever most days, <laughs> he's already worked out, eaten a meal and probably had like five business meetings before I'm yeah. even out of bed. Yeah. So that's kind of it, how he works and how I work. That's the difference between right. It, it takes me like three Red Bulls a day just to get through a normal day with my kid. So how is he able exactly. to accomplish so much? It's man, what a what a guy, what a man. It's incredible. So Rocketeer, did we have a release date on that or a, a director no. rumor? Who do you think should direct this? Maybe that's a good question. Um, man, I don't know. I hate when you when you spring those on me. I never can come up with a. With a good name, uh, probably Joe Johnston, since he did the original. No, um, man, it'll be somebody in the Disney camp. Brad Bird, I don't know if he would do that though. That yeah, because that very quickly becomes Tomorrowland too if it doesn't go right. If it doesn't go well, um, it'll be. I don't even think it should or has to be somebody of noteworthy yeah. name. Honestly, it doesn't have to be sure. any kind of original spin. I mm. think Disney has the. Has the infrastructure now that they can bring in a, you know, the right director, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a big name. Sure, like they yeah. would, like they needed to for Star Wars or something. Sure. So you know, the Russo brothers would be fun. For that would that be fun. I, I don't know, know if they're looking to to come back to that kind of thing at this point, since they are just yeah. skyrocketing right now. But that would be a fun something. Somebody like uh, like Russo brothers light would be Joss good Whedon. For that. Oh, of course, totally. Yeah, we'll but. see. I don't think he's doing Zack that. Snyder? I don't think he wants to talk to Disney anytime soon. I'm sorry, did you say Zack Snyder? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Louis Lettier, uh, I mean, John M. Chu, Yui Bowl. It's just a murderer's row of great yeah. directors right there. That's yeah, the, I, mean, I call it the Rushmore. <laughs> the Bizarro Rushmore. Super Jack Bizarro Rushmore. Right. So I'm I'm excited for that one, and I guess 2018 we'll look out for that probably mm. more realistically. And speaking of movies coming out way in the future, look at you. We have some Marvel Disney news, views and news. It's uh, Infinity War, the next upcoming Avengers movie, not uh, Captain America Four, not Civil War Two. This follows, I guess, Age of Ultron in the Avengers timeline, and it's Infinity War, and it was Mm going to be parts one and two, but they've announced it's one movie at this point. They're just going to do one. And mm. I guess probably make it three hours instead of two, two and a half <laughs> hour ones. And that is fine. I'd rather yeah. kind of it be that. Maybe it's less of a beating. They trim it down, you know, give us only the bare essentials, make it, uh, make it like I said, between two and a half and three hours, one movie instead of two, two and a half hour movies, which I would expect it, what it would have been mm-hmm. had it been it, two. And yeah. yeah. And then that the deal is contrary to the early reports they're not i thought at least the way variety reported it originally it seemed like they were like marvel slash disney was scrapping the 2019 avengers movie altogether and that's not that's not the case so they're what they're doing is may of 2018 we will get avengers infinity war just straight up not part one or part two just straight up infinity war and then in May of 2019, we will get an as yet untitled Avengers movie. So okay. they're not going away from because that was the thing that was like really interesting to me is if they 
at this point are pulling a movie off the calendar, that's a really interesting and, and strange choice at this point and something very outside of that Marvel Disney, the typical way they do things. And so, but no, it's just going to be, I guess they're going to wrap up infinity wars in part one or excuse me <laughs> in 2018. And then that next year will bring us something different, uh, but Avengers related. Wow. That's exciting. I think mm-hmm. the as yet untitled, Avengers movie is going to be more when they start bringing in the Guardians and bringing in the Ant-Mans. And I sure. just don't, I just don't, I mean, they've sort of already brought in Ant-Man, not into the Avengers really officially, but uh, I just don't see them in that arc coming together that fast for Infinity War to have all those big characters, like for that to be it. And for maybe, sure. maybe untitled Avengers movie to be the reset of Avengers. I think uh, mm-hmm. Infinity War is still going to follow sort of the, the same storylines and characters we've been following, the Tony Starks and the uh, the roadies and uh, those plot lines, Steve Rogers. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I, I think we're we're going to be in for some familiar, maybe rap, tying up some loose ends on some stuff. And I, I, I imagine Avengers Untitled will be the sort of the launch point for the next, I guess, uh, wave or phase of the MCU. Yeah, so, I think you're right. I'm excited for that. Wow. I, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was Infinity Wars happening and then Avengers is kind of over and then we'll see what we do mm-hmm. from here and we'll we'll get some new, you know, the Inhumans and the Guardians will maybe be the Avengers now because they'll be a big enough property that they could carry the, the big summer tentpole film for yeah. Marvel. But we will see with Volume 2 of Guardians next summer. And I, I'm super hyped for that. I'm super, Same. super hyped for that. Same. With the fact that Kurt Russell and Sly are both in it together um, is, is awesome. The, the, it, it was, they fit so perfectly in that universe already, and I haven't even seen Like, Sly oddly fits that universe perfectly, and I can't wait to see what they do. Mm-hmm. But, oh, absolutely. But Suicide Squad comes out this weekend, this coming weekend, and the hype could not be bigger. I don't know. Oh I, I mean, it is... It's yeah. it's huge. I think it's going to be a hundred and fifty million, two hundred yeah. million dollar opening weekend. It's going to be big. I, I I'm ex- I'm weirded out to see though that it's PG thirteen. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is what's that about? I guess we'll talk about that next week in depth. But yeah, it's a little that, jarring. I think that has the potential to be. I feel like we're going to come back next week and say that was a great choice and it opened up this uh this movie for a lot of viewers that otherwise wouldn't have been able to see it or would have had to find ways to see it you know or we're going to be saying this movie will be better as an r-rated movie period and just take whatever you can with that because i feel like you know deadpool i don't want to kill whatever we're gonna have to say but deadpool has proven that if you have the right movie you can sell it as an r-rated film no matter what uh you know what the typical what the fan what base is already think about that yeah exactly and so let's see because that looks like a material that is suited for r-rated over pg-13 so we'll see but i man you're right it's going to be huge and we i at least drastically underestimated how big that was going to be i thought i thought it was it might struggle to find an audience and they're now projecting it's like it's uh basement is like 120 so geez that's going to be huge hit yeah. huge i don't Make know man for some of that loss on bbs i so just don't know for them. how i feel about it yet i've seen like one trailer 
and it was mm-hmm. the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer, which I loved. But yeah, we'll see. We will see. And that'll be next week. So mm-hmm. I think we should move on, Brian. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So it seems like just yesterday, Brian, just a few days ago that we discussed the Bourne trilogy. <laughs> yes, we we all sat together in a room and uh, held hands and talked about held hands, uh, a little hugging, just light hugging <laughs> and talked about our affinity for the Bourne trilogy slash sort of quadrilogy and uh, yeah, and enjoyed right. that conversation quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, that can be found on the podcast feed if you didn't get a chance to do that throwback born trilogy is available now but we return to the born universe in 2016 are we calling this a sequel or a reboot or reimagining of born how do we feel about how they're pitching this to us do you think in like 1970 anyone would have ever thought about the terms remake what are we would would think that we would have to debate whether yeah. things are a a remake a reboot a sequel a prequel or what you know <laughs> somewhere in the middle it's just it's insane yeah i think this is a sequel um i think it is also it's trying to serve as sort of a i guess a reboot to like it definitely wants you to forget that the born legacy ever happened and it definitely wants you to be excited about whatever's going to happen with Jason Bourne moving forward. I don't know if that works necessarily, but that that is a goal, I think, pretty definitively. So 
I think a sequel is is the right terminology. I don't yeah. know. What about you? I think Born Five, maybe Born Four, just another Born. Mm-hmm. Like this is just be- becoming uh, not necessarily something that you would number, but more something like Bond, or just another one. You know, like okay. you, uh, eventually you stop numbering them. I think most people sure <laughs> would, but. To me, this just felt like another Born. Um, this could have been Born anything, and uh, you know, the Born. Uh, I was going to say Legacy, but that's already been one. Uh, <laughs> the Born Heritage. There you go. The Born Heritage, and it I, like it. I was like, okay, great. So uh, it's Jason Born, and this is interesting to me because uh, we're we're going to go general thoughts here. No spoilers yet, and there's. Uh, not a lot to spoil here, but uh, no spoilers yet. Uh, general thoughts is the way they're pitching this is that this is more focused on Born the man, Born yes. the person. And uh, I didn't necessarily feel like it was uh, focused so much on him. And mm. uh, I don't know how you felt about that. I thought this was going to be way more personal than any Born film we had seen and uh, a lot more emotional than it was. Uh, so that was what jarred me a little bit seeing this film is what I, I wasn't expecting it to be what it was. Um, okay. Having said that, it honestly, Brian, uh, to be completely honest, it feels like a Bourne movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Maybe I expected a little more from Paul Greengrass and from Matt Damon and maybe from this movie in 2016. Then that, mm-hmm. that maybe that's that was my thought going in was like, wow, born in 2016 is going to be awesome rather than just going in and expecting more of the same. Uh, and I think we get more of the same here, which is more born. I think this is one of the weaker of the born films, mm-hmm. plot wise, uh, pacing wise, acting wise, action wise, all of the above. I think it's one of the weaker of the films. I've always felt like born is on another level than most typical action movies or spy movies or thrillers sure always felt it was kind of a cut above uh most of those and in a lot of ways and i don't feel like this was a cut above a lot of action movies that i've seen in the past couple years uh it was as good or you know went along right there just fine with the equalizer you know uh sure so yeah Yeah. i don't know if it was a great (laughs) or so much better than that though you know and i can't say that with a lot of conviction so that's my general thought is that uh Mm -hmm. it's kind of a born movie that uh i kind of expected more from in 2016 but uh what's your general consensus on it i mean i agree with you and i wonder if part of that is because it has been uh you know nine years since the last true born movie if I wonder if this had come out in 2009, if we would be, if the reviews would be as as paltry as they've been, and if if we would be as I don't want to say necessarily disappointed, but just fairly unimpressed. I guess that's how I feel. I I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, Kim, but I'm I'm relatively unimpressed with the movie, and I wonder if I would feel the same if that. This movie, this exact movie, had come out in 2009. I think part of it is this: the the build up, the trailer is fantastic. Um, I think titling it Jason Bourne 
it seemed like a really bold move at the time because it just is very matter of fact about who you know what you're about to see and in in hindsight i feel like that i don't know how much that that had to do with my cinema or my feeling towards the movie going in but i really expected this was going to be just an all out just an all-time action movie yeah and i didn't i didn't get that and that's i don't think it's bad at all i don't really understand some of the the real frustr real anger towards this movie i guess like i see i've seen a couple of reviews basically saying this made me hate the original born trilogy and i think that's crazy um i don't think there's anything here to get up in arms about but i also don't feel like it's a it's not an action movie that's going to stick with me moving forward and that's and that is a a, a bit of a, a disappointment because you know when we talked about that trilogy a couple of weeks ago um you know, this is really one of my favorite action movie franchises, and I I love those movies. I love rewatching them. I think they're outstanding, and uh, and I think Damon is outstanding, and that makes it makes that world so much more interesting. I think the problem with this one, and maybe that we can get into more specifics and whatnot, but I said when we reviewed the trilogy that Jason Bourne himself, for me at least. I don't he's not interesting when he's not moving and I think that's why those movies work so well is because they don't stop moving and the plot is very simple and there's you know there's a lot of convoluted black ops stuff in the background but it doesn't really matter to Jason Bourne and it doesn't really have all that much impact on him as you might expect or as it could if you tried to make that complex um and this one it's not that it's overly complex it's that in trying to it's like it's trying to make us see jason Bourne as a human being and i don't want to see jason Bourne as a human being i want to see him as like the ultimate american action figure you know i just want him to go in and just wreck shop on people with a magazine and i hope that he finds closure but i don't honestly really care about that and i think this is there's so much plotting here that is trying to make you it's almost like it's making him a like a sympathetic figure and i i don't need that like i don't I don't need to feel sympathy for Jason Bourne because I love him anyway. So it doesn't, you know, that just doesn't play well for me. And I, I felt like it's just kind of wasted effort on that front. And so anyway, I, I like the movie fine. I would gladly see it again. I'm sure I will when it comes out on TNT or something, but it does feel like it, it's, it's easily the worst of the Damon Bond movies or Bond movies. Gosh, the Damon. <laughs> Basically, I would see that. By the way, I would see that. Uh, but it, it's easily the worst of the Damon Bourne movies, I think. And that's kind of a disappointment given the buildup that we've all had for it. Yeah, in my opinion, uh, I understand Damon and Greengrass's kind of motivation for kind of coming back to the well on this one. Totally. It's always just yeah. been a fun character. You know, it's been a mm -hmm. fun universe to play around in. Uh, but... If you're going to come back at this point, don't you, wouldn't, shouldn't you feel like you're bringing something completely fresh to the mm. table? Right. Shouldn't you yes. be like, 
if you're Paul Greengrass, shouldn't you have an idea, you know, laying, getting, laying in bed one night, you just jump out of bed and you're like, oh my gosh, I got this idea for Born and it's going to blow everyone away. Like, that's why mm-hmm. you return to this because you have something that's like significant to add to this story. You know, does that make sense? Uh, sure. And does this have that, you know, um, it feels Man. like it tries to. A lot, yeah. Uh, a yeah, lot. I mean, it feels like this plot is just trying to be so on the nose with this is happening currently in America, you know, uh, right? With yeah, the whole leaking the information and the the Edward Snowden angle and everything. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was trying to be a little too current, and it was kind of desperate for me in some ways for the plot. That's that's my reason for saying, yeah. I, I feel like the plot is the weakest of the three because I don't know if later on down the line, this is going to have as much impact if it had any impact on you. Totally. Yeah. What I wanted this to be was just a fun standalone kind of action thing Mm -hmm. and not like you said, be more of an emotional roller coaster with born and a social commentary with the, with the B plot line and with Alicia Vikander's character. Uh, I just didn't, uh, didn't expect that. I thought it would be more intelligent than that, honestly. A little more, a little less lazy than that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It feels extremely obvious to do <laughs> um, mm-hmm. for a, such a highbrow action franchise. Like I expected, mm-hmm. I expected Captain America two to have something like that, which it did. You know, to have some kind sure. of angle with Shield and you know surveillance, or if you're gonna comment on something like that, I. I don't roll my eyes when a movie like that, a comic book movie, does it. But when it's born, and it's something not only that uh, I feel is kind of below born, but born should know that, that, hey, guys, this has been done like 10 times in the past 10 years. Can't we think of something more fun and more fresh, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, shouldn't they be, the the filmmakers themselves be saying that? Like, you know what? Like, that's what made born the first one, Identity, so... crazy is because wow i've never seen a spy movie like this with a plot like this and he's discovering mm-hmm. his identity and you know he's uh the, the 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 burn bag is kind of leading the story and and it really did flip the the genre on its head and that's why i say this for me just feels like more of the same and less yeah. of like a reboot like this has new life now does that make sense like if if you're yeah, not yeah. a fan of ultimatum or supremacy you're not going to be a fan of this and vice versa. Like this isn't going to make you a fan of those other ones either. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think at all, but um, it's just like, I didn't feel that they won up themselves at all in any aspect no. of, uh, and, and there were people that might, but what this did, re- did do for me is reminded me that I do love this character in this world. You know, I liked being mm-hmm. there. Um, I just expected a little more this time around. Um, but I want this to continue, you know. I think there's a uh, there's life in the Bourne franchise, and and in the uh, there are stories left to be told here. Um, mm-hmm. And I I think Damon is happy when he does these movies too. But um, that's sort of how I generally how I feel about it. And I do want to get into specifics here. But do you have any more general likes or dislikes uh, on here? No, I think you're right that this kind of insistence on having the storyline be very tied to you know what's currently going on in our world or was currently I mean, going Brian, on they, two years they ago. said i mean 
I just hate just obvious like script writing, like expositionally. Like I think they say in this, this is the worst thing since Snowden. Like you don't have to be that obvious about it to make the connection. Like we're not yeah, stupid people. They, who don't they have directly reference Snowden at least twice, right? And you know, and the deep dream thing is so clearly Facebook and Apple, and um, everything. Yeah. and so you know, man, it's hard because I think I can see why Paul Greengrass wants to do that story, right? Like you, you said. I don't feel like they should make this movie unless Paul Greengrass is waking up at night thinking, oh, this is the angle that we've got to take. And I can see – I totally agree with you. I can see that this is the I can see thing him that thinking they thought that, they had to do. Yeah, I can see him say, thinking you know? this is so like, yeah. deep and like this is going to make people reconsider their right. lives online yes. and everything. And I just think it's so cheesy. I don't even know which movie had this angle in the past couple – was it Kingsman maybe or something? Yeah, I mean, like, like, a, like you sign up for movie. a social network and it like right. invades your life and and it's spies. a very yeah, it's very common right now. Like it's a major and that's it's fine. Like I mean, it, that's relevant because that's the biggest thing in our society right now is social yeah. media. It's like it feels like there's a new social media every single day that people are. I just learned how to use Snapchat and I'm old and I know that that's you know that makes me super uncool. But probably tomorrow there'll be a new one that I'll also not be able to figure out. And so like I get why my point is I get why Paul Greengrass felt like this was a significant story that needed to be told. Just make it significant, you know, like go and write something that actually. Yeah, make it fun. Make it have something to say. Make it. I wish in hindsight. I think the worst part of this movie, I guess we're just, I'm just going to start getting into specifics. The worst part of the movie to me was the, was the beginning with, with, uh, Julia Stiles, yep. Nikki Parsons, because a, I, no one is wondering what happened to Nikki Parsons or, or Julia Stiles, but definitely Nikki Parsons. No one cares. No one is wondering about where her, her character has gone in the last nine years. And to have her like open the movie with her and then have her track Jason Bourne down. And it's done in a really sloppy way to where you have I was left thinking like, well, she was really dumb. <laughs> and that's not what you want from this character that you're I guess you're trying to draw us back in with some sort of at least familiar face, if not emotional reaction to the character i i don't have that i don't think anybody else it was supposed to be like letty returning in the fast series yes like oh my gosh this character has been gone for five movies or wherever it was and uh, all of a sudden she returns but it's julia styles and i was just like okay okay and she is bad at her job (laughs) like she's not good you know and so i just felt like that whole thing just starts it on the wrong foot and i think this movie is so much better if if really, if the only change is that Jason Bourne himself discovers, uh, he had like he, you've got to give him a reason to come out of retirement, I guess, or hiding is the more is the more apt term, and him like coming to track down whoever killed his dad was not it. That just didn't that it's, didn't it's hit. A, it's, I, an, it's an obvious thing to bring in the dad parent angle on this too a bit too don't yes. you, do you think yes i i totally agree i didn't feel like that was necessary to the story i didn't feel like anyone was out there wondering about jason Bourne's dad and so to me if you're 
if you're doing this storyline, you don't a you don't have to involve Nikki because that sets it off on the wrong foot, and b you don't need to have it that intersecting story of him trying to figure out who his dad was and all that stuff. This whole bit, the Facebook thing and the and the uh, the Snowden bit, like all these angles, that's fine. Like that, I think has there's something to say in there, and there's some way to relate it to Jason Bourne himself and J and Treadstone and all that stuff. I think that that can work, but it's the it's the kind of side angles that become the main focus of the plot that don't that kind of drag to a place where you're like, I don't, I don't care about this. I, this doesn't, this doesn't happen. If Jason Bourne has to come out of hiding to go stop, uh, this iron hand or whatever the new, you know, uh, program is like that. Okay. I get it. Like that makes sense. Um, all these other things that, that tie into that, whether they make sense or not, they don't add anything to the story and they just leave you feeling like, okay, like, come on, like, just, just get back to him running through you know driving through a street on a motorcycle or attacking somebody with a chair leg or whatever like let's just get back to what makes this whole franchise work and and this one just took so many too many detours too many detours to to take you into territory that i i don't know man i don't want to speak for for you or or anybody else but did you do you care what nikki parsons has been doing for 10 years do you care who jason bourne's father is you know what i I will give him credit and spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert uh they do kill her off so yeah right and the the exact same way that they kill off uh i can't remember the girl's name but his his love interest in the second film like i'm just saying if you're bringing her back like just kill her off like immediately which is they kind of do so yeah that's true (laughs) so um Nikki Parsons is is sort of a hacker now. Um, they're, she's hacking the CIA or whatever it is. Um, sort of the action scenes in this, I think it's Greengrass trying to say, you know what, cyber terrorism is the new terrorism. Mm-hmm. So they try to make action scenes out of people just typing back and forth to each other, you know, right. in a right. lot of this hacking stuff. And the music is, and it's just people typing and like, cameras cutting really fast um i don't like that and i'd rather see action scenes and i don't know with green grass i noticed it a little on captain phillips but the shaky cam has got to kind of chill a bit Uh, (laughs) he was sort of starting it with the other the first born films uh or the second and third but he needs to chill it out um i saw this movie late like i said but a lot of shaky. I mean, I wrote this down, and I write this down only when it applies. And I promise you, I promise you, I'll only write it when it applies. Shots of nothing. Um, and this means <laughs> either they didn't get the shot and like, okay, sorry, that's all we have of that. So that's why it has to be in the movie. Or the editors are terrible or the, it's on purpose. There are several shots, like cuts, like cutting from one thing to another of nothing mm-hmm. like you're like what just happened there the camera shakes around and like a shape flies by and you don't know what it was and it's shots of nothing i guarantee you go back and watch this there are several cuts that are of nothing like like i said um it's like it's, it's as if the camera guy dropped the camera or something you know or as if it's a live event being shown on tv 
and the uh, technical director, or the guy who runs the switcher in the back, like switched to the wrong camera at the wrong time. Like, oh, that's of nothing. Got to switch back mm-hmm. to so- that's something that's of something now. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's just so freaking annoying when that happens. And uh, I think, like we said, the reboot of RoboCop earlier was another example of one. It's like, why is this shot even like? How did this make the cut? How did not one person see this movie and be like, oh, yeah, you know that five seconds in the middle where it was literally of nothing and it was just like a blur? Can we take mm-hmm. that out? Because it really made my head hurt for no reason, and it, it, I hated it. So I don't know if that was a complaint that you had, uh, just cinematography or how this was shot in any way. Uh, I just felt like I needed more stationary camera movement mm-hmm. uh, that, than I got, especially in a lot of these action scenes. I wrote down... Uh, shaky riot motorcycle (laughs) so i assume there was a riot scene and motorcycles driving through the riot and it was extremely hard to comprehend visually for me personally yeah Um, you know he he really i don't feel like i'm uber sensitive to the shaky cam there's times when i don't even i don't even realize that it's happening i think greengrass has typically and historically he has used shaky cam very very well very effectively um, to to really put you in the moment while also still being able to make it to where you can actually tell what's happening, and I think this movie lost that in places, yep. especially in the especially in the grander scenes. You know, some of the like true hand to hand combat sequences, I felt like Shaky Cam worked pretty well, mm-hmm. but in those those sequences that you're talking about with the begin the opening sequence uh, or open, I guess the the first real chase scene that was out of control there was a couple others too where you're just like i I just kind of had to close my eyes and and uh try to get readjusted you know because it was just it was way too much and way all over the place and i didn't notice i guess so many uh wasted shots but there is a freaking ton of scene changes in the first half hour of that movie and that's i i don't know why that maybe you can speak to this as the film you know true film guy but i don't know why that that bothers me or why that lends itself to feeling like the movie is not put together all that well but there's times when that doesn't bother me at all and but lately it seems like every movie that i feel like the pacing is off that is the first thing that jumps out to me is good gracious we do not need this many scenes yeah and and it's it's um a lot of screen. I think it's more a screenwriter than it is a director. A screenwriter is feeling like they need to set up every single character plot line in the first thirty minutes. So the way to do that is every character gets a scene, every location gets a moment there, and every plot line gets explained. Rather than okay, we're gonna follow this character and we're gonna set up our character's motivation through things like uh interaction or we're going to set up the characters themselves by things like wardrobing uh a lot of people don't even realize or directors or screenwriters don't realize hey you can dress this person a certain way to make the audience feel a certain way about that person for example yeah uh darth vader you know he's dressed all in black and he's loud you know scary music is playing that's how you know he's the bad guy like it's not don't say it in the, they don't say, oh, it, that's Darth Vader, the the meanest guy in the galaxy. Yeah, I remember he killed four guys. You know, he walks in and he's the guy. You know, that right. explains yes. it. Uh, and yeah. a lot of times, and I feel like especially with action movies, 
and ones that are trying to be intelligent, Brian, which I feel like this mm-hmm. one was trying to be more intelligent than it was. Um, they're they're too jumpy, and like I said, they're trying to be too intelligent to set up too many plot lines, too many characters to make you feel like, wow. As an audience member, you're like, wow, this is sophisticated. You know, like uh, this is this is something bigger than anything I had seen. And I think Born, like I said, has a reputation to live up to, and maybe that was part of that. Mm-hmm. But I I noticed it was sloppy at the beginning. Uh, I wrote down the Born's line at the beginning where he says, "I remember everything." I think that was yeah. kind of a cheap, like, okay, yes. we don't really want to concentrate on the him, the amnesia angle, or you know, his struggle to find his identity, which is what all these movies have been about since day one. Uh, so they they started right off with saying, okay, he remembers everything now. He's cool. Uh, now he's just normal guy. You know, let's try mm-hmm. to get away. Sure. Uh, I don't really agree with that, and I wanted more of the him struggling to remember his past more than we got. Uh, okay. What we do get is stuff of him not realizing he was recruited or whether he approached them. Um, and I'm still not clear on that because they contradict yeah. themselves again in this movie <laughs> with, nope, you definitely volunteered instead yeah. of being recruited, which is where it left off in Ultimatum, I believe. So mm-hmm. where do you fall on that, uh, where we lie now? I David think Webb. the deal is that he volunteered, but only because he had been tricked into volunteering essentially like he had been kind of not necessarily brainwashed but he'd been prompted to volunteer essentially i think that's what we're getting at now what did we think of vikander alicia vikander in this um and i didn't understand her character at the beginning because she follows tommy lee jones's orders so uh Normally, in the the beginning, like she's like totally cool with everything. Yeah. And she deletes all of the most important information that Bourne is reading, like all the secrets. You know, he hacks in the computer, he decrypts it, that whole spiel. She remotely logs in through a cell phone, which I don't understand how that would work. (laughs) She remotely logs in and sees, okay, um, I'm in. I can delete the files before he gets them out. And he's like, do it. She's like, okay, I'll do it does it and then literally six seconds later changes her mind and texts them it's like here here's how you get out you know right why did you just delete everything most important part of this (laughs) you you add that to when we are in full like spoiler territory at this point spoilers um you add that to the scene when he catches up with her in the the van and jumps in or whatever and they're talking and she says, we both have something like we both have reasons mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. see Tommy Lee Jones go down. When you add those two things together, I feel like there's a scene missing somewhere, like some kind of because you're totally right. She's following order. She's following order to the point of she really comes across like the ex machina robot, like trying to fool people. I mean, it's like yeah. a it it was so she's so robotic in the first half of the movie. And then she she's just suddenly out of really seemingly out of nowhere. She's just like, oh, by the way, I'm on Jason Bourne's side, sort of, but only, I guess, to undermine Tommy Lee Jones to get him out of his job. So I guess that's the whole point, which, okay, fine, but we do need some kind of reason beyond just she wants to be the boss. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be something to point us to the in the direction of why she 
has suddenly decided that she's she's going to kind of work against Tommy Lee Jones from from behind the scenes. Like that's a and that was never really explained. And I, I felt like. Yeah. Did a scene get cut yeah. or did we just really, really miss that putting together a, you know, a, a cohesive plot? Because uh, that, that's a that's a major jump to conclusions that I don't feel like we as the audience had any justification to suspect or understand why it happened. I um, I like the fact the one plot line I did like in this movie was them trying to recruit him back to the CIA. I thought that was yeah. a cool mm-hmm. decision, character, moment, kind of a big cliffhanger that they could leave it on was him mm-hmm. trying to decide whether he should return or like help America or be against the people that, you know, brainwashed him or whatever. And yeah. that's interesting. Uh, that could have been the movie. That could have been the focus without the Snowden angle or without the uh, the hacking, the cyber warfare or any of that. I think that could have been could have been better than the social media commentary that we got, but mm. we we get a little bit of that. But I, like I mean, I could have could have used more uh, than we got. But do you know what hotel any of the scene in Vegas took place at? Because I could not tell what hotel <laughs> that they were at. Was it the Aria? It, I mean, yeah, I it looked was the like Aria. it, but I couldn't tell. Could not. I would not. They said it once or twice. That's the yeah. only reason that I was able to to keep. Up with that. <laughs> I thought that sequence was baller, though. Like yeah. the chase scene with the SWAT van and the Charger was yeah was some serious Fast and Furious stuff, and I thought that was awesome. That might have been cool. the best sequence of the movie. My favorite moment was him like setting off all the fire alarms with the cell phone. How he like yes. set up all the charges. I thought that was right. like okay. There's the Bourne I know and love. Yeah. You know, for Very like Jason seven yeah, seconds, definitely. I saw it, but that mm-hmm. was it. And uh, I didn't understand the Exocon thing. I think that was kind of a, a climax of the movie, though, when he's, yeah. he's sort of going to uh, out the government, really, on, hey, I've been teaming up with the government to spy on everybody, and I mm-hmm. really regret it. I'm sorry. Uh, they were going right. to execute him before he could say that. But I don't know why Bourne saves him, really. Bourne basically risks his entire everything to save that guy from... What hmm. from putting himself in jail? You know, yeah, or, that's a good point. I like had the, the worst of it. that would happen I mean, was that guy would everyone would be like, oh, "This guy's a crook," and then he would go to trial for <laughs> screwing everybody, and that's it. Like, how would that affect Born? Really, um, I guess Born kind of just saved the day in a way. You know, yeah, but, maybe uh, it's just that it's just supposed to be at the core of it. He is a good person, and he's gonna try to save somebody's life. I don't know. You're right. I hadn't thought about that of being. That is kind of a plot hole of, because in because we know that he is saved that he just saved uh, Alicia Vikander's life, but he doesn't know that that's happened. So, right. you know, that's a good point. So, what else you got here? I, that's the kind of the third act. That's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel about Tommy Lee Jones being in this universe? I really thought he fit well. Yes, I thought he was good. I thought he was very good in that. And it's it's funny that they've gone from like Chris Cooper to Brian Cox to who was Ultimatum? It was Albert Finney and somebody else. Now I can't think of it. And now we've we've kind of we've almost come full circle to Tommy Lee Jones. It's kind of the an evolution of cranky old men chart, you know. Um, but I thought he I thought he fit really well. I thought he played his his part uh, very well. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't written all that well it wasn't a super original take on that sort of a character by any means but 
it was fine. And, and I thought he did a good job. I like, I always liked Tommy Lee Jones. He does a lot of not great movies these days. Um, like what? Not even bad. What, what was like, his last bad? I think there was something that he did. I'm going to pull up his, his bit here. Uh, um, what did we see him in? What did I say? Oh, Emperor came out a, a criminal. He was in criminal Crim- with criminal with like uh, with Costner and I think Ryan Reynolds is in the there family. Yeah, the fan. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't so great either. He's doing the mechanic sequel that comes out at the end of this month. So that's yeah, you know, that's what you want. Oh, I saw that. I, yeah, the trailer. I saw yeah, the trailer. For I did too. I did too. I was like, oh no. Um, and there's not anything coming out that. Way. So anyway, it's not even that he does bad movies. It's that. I don't feel like he's super picky about what he does anymore. And he used to be, he used to be very, um, very picky about whatever role he would take. Um, regardless, I thought he was, he was pretty solid in the movie. I didn't think that that character, that character felt like kind of a rehash of, of every other, uh, leading man of C- CIA slash Treadstone slash whatever else that we've had in this yeah. series. And I, I think that's the biggest complaint for me is that it's just there's too much that you want the movie to feel authentic to the characters and to the franchise, but we we really don't need them to be like there's there's certain scenes and 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 total uh, plot devices and events that happen that are just like straight takeoffs from the previous Bourne movies, like the just yeah. taken straight out of those page those pages and and put into this movie and that. That just left you feeling not even necessarily lazy, like the, it was lazy, but just that um, maybe a little uninspired, and that was kind of that was kind of disappointing. I thought pretty much every action sequence was good. Um, when I, dis- except for that first one, where I really couldn't tell what was happening because of shaky cam. Um, I didn't really care about Bourne fighting uh, the. The asset. I don't think he had a name beyond that. Vincent uh-huh. Castle. Yeah, yeah. Who? It's shocking that he hasn't been in the Bourne franchise before this point because right. he fit. He absolutely fits that that universe yep. so well. I didn't really care about their emotional uh, back and forth or what tied them together, but it was fun watching them chase each other and try to kill each other. You know, yeah. I thought they they he was a good match for Bourne um, right up until the very end. Their last fight sequence was awesome. That's. That's the kind of shaky camera that I that I think works in this series, and that's what made those first couple Bourne movies work really well. Was uh, you know spin, the spinning shaky camera the, in the, the quick midst act, of a fight. quick fast cuts quick, and everything, quick yeah. cuts and all that stuff. Yeah, I thought that was really good. All the action was solid. It just I think once it got into almost any kind of plotting, most of it felt like either a rehash of past Bourne movies a vague attempt to be relevant and I'll, I'll give them credit for trying to do that. It just wasn't pulled off very well or talking about stuff that, that I don't think anybody cared about. I don't think anybody's wondering about once I knew what this was going to be, I was just Mm -hmm. like, it is kind of like once the plot is in the first 15 minutes, once the whole Mm -hmm. deep dream thing and then the Julia styles hacking in and threatening to release all the information. I'm just like, Oh no. I just yeah, wanted yeah. more fun sequences, more quirky f- spy gadgets and things. I mean, we get some yeah. stuff in the Exocon sequence, like at the end, 
But it's just like, where is where's the born we know and love? I just didn't get it, get much of that yeah. here. Yeah. And that's a shame. But I just want him wrecking shop. That's what I want. Right. I want him on a mission. He's pissed and he's going to do something about it. And that's when he's at his best. That's when he's fun to watch. Um, and this, it's just a little bit light on that. Or even if it, that might not even be true because there is a lot of action and, and it is, it pretty much all involves Bourne doing Bourne stuff. It's just everything else is kind of, I, I'm totally with you. Like 10 minutes, 15 minutes in when I realized, oh, okay, this is how this is going to play out. Plotting wise, I was kind of bummed. I was just like, oh yeah. man. I well, feel like how we do we do feel about the scene where he comes back to America with his passport of an old identity and it works? I don't understand how that did somebody back home. She she's hacked on? in. She's yeah, hacked she's, in and reactivated him the. In, okay, yeah. I got I got gotcha. you. I didn't yeah. I didn't I wasn't clear to me whether he okay. oh here's an old old identity I used to have maybe this works you know I'm gonna take the chance of going and trying to cross. <laughs> sure. And that, you know, the tense moment of waiting for it to turn green, which they do kind of have that moment. But I didn't realize uh, as clear as it was that it was uh, set up by Miss Vikander. But yeah, um, I guess they're kind of setting it up for her to be more involved in this if there's sequels uh, yeah. to this. So we'll see if that happens. But uh, it's it's set up at the end kind of or born goes on his way and is by himself yeah. again, kind of walks away from everything you would think. And so, uh, so let me ask you this. I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot because I don't have a great answer for this. So you, you may not mm-hmm. either, but I going in, I was of the opinion that I would love for there to be a Jason Bourne movie every two to three years. And I love that character. And I enjoy, I enjoy those movies so much coming out. I thought, we should just I leave it know, alone. I don't know where this yeah. goes. Like, yeah. I don't know what he can do now because, and especially the way that ended with with him, I think even if it ends five minutes earlier and you don't see that he heard what she said in the car about either he comes back or we put him down, even if you don't let us know that he knows that, it at least gives you kind of a starting point for the next movie that isn't just we're trying to find Jason Bourne and kill yeah. him, which yeah. is kind of where we're at at this point. She's like basically the villain now, I guess. Is that how yeah. it kind of flips on the end at, at the I, end of the movie? He realizes sure, yeah, she's bad sure. and he's like, screw this and walks away. Right. But, and so like what I guess my question is, if we come back and we do Jason Bourne six or five or whatever, I don't know. Is it? Where do we do? Where do we where do we it's go? It's just from called here? JB now. <laughs> and it's actually JB Smooth in yeah. Jason. <laughs> I would see that. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't know what we do. I don't know where we go from here. Because I I think in in my mind I felt like we can keep churning these out just like we churn out Mission Impossibles and mm-hmm. and uh and James Bond movies. No question. We can just keep doing these, but having revisited it now. I don't, I don't really know what we do. I don't know where we go or what this character does, unless it's just a a really, like an all out action. Yeah, we got we got I to go it, kill Jason Bourne, and he's just, you know, just wrecking people left and right. But but then where do you go from there? You know, it just seems like 
in hindsight, maybe this should have just stopped at, at Ultimatum yeah, and, I, and I, wrapped it up. I hate to keep bringing the comparison of Fast up, but, I mean, with, I guess, Fast and Furious was the real first one. They, they when they made that, it was a sequel reboot, kind of the same way this was. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, we know these characters, but it's new, but it's, it's still the same. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they came to the set every day or day, on day one knowing that they had something new to bring, something exciting yeah. to bring yeah. to the table that could continue the franchise in a new direction or at least uh, spawn new life in mm-hmm. these characters. I don't feel like this did that much. It just kind of was more of the same, and I just like, until you have that, don't I don't want to see much more of this, you know, until you yeah. feel like yeah. you can really change my opinion or give us just give us more of what we love i mean that's really all Mm -hmm. i ask for is uh just give us more of what we love is it that hard guys yeah (laughs) i think we might be at the point and if any listeners out there i'm i'm serious about this if you have an idea of like okay where can we go let us know shoot shoot us a text or tweet yeah what if this was what if what if born is was so pissed off i mean this is what jason born should have been born is so pissed off that he's like he's working for some other government to okay. go, like, All right. fight against the U.S. Like that would have been interesting or something. Okay. You know? Uh, yeah. Like he's the enemy, if that makes sense, rather than the hero. Uh-huh. If that, if uh, because we're all Americans, we have That'd to be cheer for America. Yeah. But he, right. you know, that's sort of like it's always how to breathe new life into a franchise, right? With with Fast, they like okay, now the Rock is with them now. Now he's on their mm-hmm. side, you know. And, sure. Uh. You always can flip around the protagonist antagonist and uh, mm-hmm. kind of get some more interesting. Uh, what if stuff he? Out of that. What if he comes back and he's working for Hydra? Oh, Whoa! Hell, what Things they, get serious so fast. What if they just oh. cross it over with MacGruber and it's <laughs> MacGruber and Born? If, if they really the... want to breathe new life yeah. into this, they need to cross Born over with something. I mean, because what do they have to lose at this interesting. point? Yeah. Yeah, that, that could, could like that could like double I, like just another cross it over with another franchise that's yeah. just okay. You know, I don't know what it, that is, but I love that whether whether Richard is here or not, our answer to everything is just cross it over with MacGruber. Like, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what? Finding Dory was really missing. MacGruber, just, yeah, just put it's it true. together. We can, we can figure it out. He put, just, he's put, what if Bourne joins the Eye? Now you got me interested. What could now, what could happen? I mean, <laughs> just we'll think see. of the possibilities. Oh man! But I like Matt Damon, man. And, yes, Matt Damon's the best. Gosh, I love him. He's he's great. This is just. I keep seeing headlines out there like Born has a huge weekend and all this. I mean, it made sixty million dollars, which is good. I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of what you want. I mean, that's if you're releasing a movie in the summer that you really have faith in, I think $60 million is kind of the minimum you mm-hmm. should want, honestly. Sure. If you're a movie like Ghostbusters or an Independence Day resurgence or whatever you are, mm-hmm. $60 million should be the minimum. Anything less than that. I think Ghostbusters made 35 and Sony was trying to say it was a huge success for them. I don't, I just don't buy that. But it did, it was number one. It doubled its competition. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. second place movie had, 25 million so uh is there life in born do you think from a 
general interest standpoint, do you think that people care anymore? Man, I just I just don't know. I think okay, I I, I want to answer your question, but I was looking up the box office opens for the other Bourne movies. Um, in the first Bourne Identity, it opened. It only made twenty seven million dollars in its opening weekend. It finished second for the week. <laughs> this is amazing to me, dude. The winner that week in its first week of release in two thousand two with $54 million opening weekend was Scooby-Doo. Wow. Scooby-Doo made $54 million opening weekend. I'm pretty sure I saw that opening weekend. Oh, man. I was in like seventh grade or something. It sounds like, (laughs) oh, I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, so I got to go see that, you know? Golly, man. Jeez, that movie made $275 million worldwide. Okay, sorry. Yeah, to answer your question. Got a sequel, and they're doing a reboot of Scooby-Doo as well, uh, so... Please stop. No one cares. Um, I don't. I just don't know where it goes. I, in my mind, I would love for there to be more Jason Bourne movies, but I, I'm with you. I feel like the next one, even if you accept, okay, this one's not that good, but it does, it does serve a purpose of sort of resetting the franchise or like bringing it back to, to level to ground, Damon. I guess, to Damon and resets where he's at, and maybe you can build off of that i just don't know how you do it and i don't know what that looks like and if you're gonna do another one i really need it to be worth my time but moreover worth matt damon's time and worth paul greengrass's time and just have it be something bring something new to the table or bring something that doesn't leave me just kind of being like this plot sucks just have a decent concept and and bring that to fruition, I guess. So I was just looking up Tommy Lee Jones and what he has coming up, and he's doing a movie called Shock and Awe, which is oh, no. Rob Reiner okay. at the helm, and this is about journalists covering Bush's plan to go into Iraq under the claim that they have weapons of mass destruction. I already and hate it's, this. It's, uh, the cast <laughs> is Tommy Lee Jones, Mila Jovovich, Jessica Biel, and Alec Baldwin. Currently oh, no. attached, so we'll see where that goes. Rob Reiner, James Marsden too, and Woody. O'Malley, O'Malley, James yeah. Marsden, and yeah, Woody. Definitely. Yeah, and, Woody's oh yeah, Woody's too. the Woody's Gosh. the star. Wow, that's, that's that. I don't want that. Sounds awful. I'm not gonna lie, but that does have a lot of star power. It's not so Oliver Stone that. though, so it could be. So yes. Gosh, are you? Speaking we're gonna of have to do Snowden. <laughs> Speaking of we? Snowden. Yeah. Did you, did you see the commercial? Did you I will, get? The... I will say, yeah, I, I I saw the oh my the gosh. trailer. I will you, say no, no, no. Hold on. Did you you went you saw Cinemark right? Did you yeah. for this movie? Did you get right before the trailer started? Did you get Oliver Stone talking about turning off your phone? No. Oh my gosh, dude! You have to you have to look it up. It's <laughs> it's Oliver Stone. You know that you know that every theater chain has the bit like, "Hey, yeah. turn off your phone because it sucks when your phone goes off during a movie." This one was like him describing how the government uses your phones to to track your movements and listen in on everything that happens in your life, and it's like it's super serious and Oliver Stony. And then it cuts to Cinemark's you know thing of like, "Hey, turn off your phones," and then they have a disclaimer of like. Cinemark does not believe everything <laughs> that Oliver Stone says. Like everything that he says is his own opinion, not Cinemark's. It's wow. the weirdest thing ever. And he looks 
as crazy as he has ever looked. He looks like Nick Nolte's uh, mugshot. It's, it's, wow, it's something. Well, they shot that movie like two years ago, and it's still not out, so it's probably what it says. I will say that Joseph Gordon-Levitt does have the Snowden voice down, like, perfect. Like, when he was just narrating it at the beginning, at the trailer, like, did they, is this Snowden, like, a sound bite, you know, that they were really using? But it was, uh, it was Levitt, so I don't know what to think, I mean. I think it, I love I think Citizen Four. Citizen terrible. Four won Best Documentary yeah. at uh, yes. the Oscars. Yeah. That's all we need. That's all we need yes. on Snowden. I we, think we're done. We don't need any more. I hundred percent, hundred percent agree. By the way, Happy Birthday to Dean Kane. <laughs> Dean Kane, <laughs> yeah, fifty years Richard old. Richard missed today. a rough episode for him. He's such a Dean Kane fan. Rough time to be gone, Richard. Rest in peace, Richard. Speaking of rest in peace, Zelda Williams, twenty-seven today. Zelda Williams. <laughs> Daughter of the late great Robin Williams. Nice. Hey, Wesley Snipes, fifty-four. So, I think we should hit some grades for Jason Bourne, Brian. And I'm going to give this a B. Okay. Um, it made me want more Bourne because I do love Bourne, but uh-huh. it was not uh, not up to the par of the first three. Okay. Yeah, I I think I'm with you. I'm going to go. Just slightly higher. I'm gonna go B plus, a very soft B plus. And I know we just spent the whole time talking about all the flaws of it. I think the action is really good, and I enjoyed that a lot. It's just it's hard to, on a podcast, just be like, it was really awesome when they drove a car through a wall, you know. So yeah. that stuff is fun, and it it does feel born amped up, and uh, I enjoy I enjoy all the Matt Damon stuff. I just need I need a plot that brings any sort of fulfillment i guess okay let's move on and uh, let's recommend something then weekly recommends go ahead i'm gonna recommend a movie that i recommended about three years ago and i liked it so much that i forced you and richard to go see it as well and we did an episode on it Um, So you can go back now if you would like to, if you're new to the show, and look back at 2013 and find our episode on The Way Way Back. I rewatched it yesterday, just uh, kind of a spur of the moment. I'm going to put in a movie that I've seen while I do some work, and I hadn't seen it in a couple years. Still one of my favorites. Still is a true, just a a breath of fresh air. Uh, Love all the performances love the way that it's written and love the way that it presents some very familiar material, the way it handles that stuff. It's such a good movie. It's so much fun to watch and also has so much uh, emotion to it. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Um, we all really liked it. I think you, I think you're in my boat, Kent. I think we all really liked I did it. like it a lot. Yeah. Years. Um, so check that out. Go watch that movie. If you haven't seen it, watch the way, way back uh, and then go find our episode on iTunes or, or whatever, podcast app you use to listen to our illustrious show and uh, check out our thoughts on it from from way back then i'm going to recommend something that comes to us via the glory of the internet brian and streaming services um netflix is now streaming bernie which is richard linklater's bernie and starring jack black who we mentioned earlier this is a very underrated comedy. It came in 2011. Could have and should have been a Best Picture nominee that year, in my opinion. And uh-huh. could have and should have 
won Jack Black an Oscar. I think he was nominated. Uh, or he might have been nominated for the Golden Globe or won the Golden Globe and wasn't nominated for the Oscar. Either way, there was a controversy. Mm-hmm. And some of Linklater's better work, honestly, and definitely some of Jack Black's better work. If you like Jack Black yeah. as a comedian, you should watch it. If you like Jack Black as an actor, you should watch it. It really does show his range, and he can be serious and dramatic. And I mean, he sings and does it all in this movie, and it uh, it's extremely well put together. And it, it, it does a great job of combining actors and real people who Linklater met and people that were. It's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, if in Carthage, Texas, it was about a man who basically killed his uh, friend uh, and yeah. uh, goes on trial for it. Um, it. You know, pleads that he did it on accident, and so he's trying to get off on on the fact that he didn't mean to kill his friend, but he did anyway. Um, so, I mean, Linklater actually went to Carthage and interviewed people that you know knew the actual people that were involved, and. I guess filmed it, but used those actual interviews in the movie as part of the movie. So it seems so natural when you're watching it. You're like, wow, these people are great, either great actors or this is really happening. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a combination of that, if that makes sense. It's kind of yes. like a half documentary, half movie in a way. And the actual Bernie is friends with Linklater in some way, or Linklater, yeah, this, he, he stays with Linklater sta- or something? Yeah, didn't, I think coming, when he got out of jail, I need to look this up. I think but he went back to I jail. I think when he got out of jail, he he came and lived on at Linklater's like, complex, because he has this huge ranch or place. Something. Yeah, it's like a ranch with dorms and stuff like that. Um, he, he, he had him come and, and live with him for a while. Like, as part of his... I feel like he was part of his parole. Like, he was... He got out, and, and instead of going to a halfway house, he, he went and lived at Linklater's place. It's a really weird story, and the movie, you're, man, I love that movie. That's, it's that's a, it's a, even if you've seen it in the past two years, it's a worth revisiting. Yeah. Especially if you haven't seen it since 2011, which was five years ago. It's one worth, mm-hmm. worth rewatching. And, uh, man, Linklater brings it in that one. That, that, I, I still keep thinking about Everybody Wants Some. Um, as like the best movie I've seen this year, and it's not even close, kind of a thing. Uh, I just love that, and I love Linklater, and uh, I love that they're streaming his stuff now. Ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes, Plus. ninety <laughs> percent of people recommended that one. Good stuff, dude. You're also, right. McConaughey I had no is great, when, great in that. Yes, too. he's so good in that movie. I had no idea he he's back in jail. He got resentenced yeah. to jail. I I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, yeah. That's I, crazy. Oh my gosh. Well, now I'm gonna have to dig into the story again. So it's actually based that. on an article in Texas Monthly, which is like a <laughs> if magazine that only you get if you're in Texas and subscribe to it. Or <laughs> and it was about Bernie and Linklater like read it on a plane or something and then made the movie. Yeah. So very interesting and one interesting guy he is. So yeah, Netflix Bernie, check it out. You'll thank me later. So where can I find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Kent, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison. And you can find us online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Sign up for that newsletter, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash newsletter. comes out once a month. It's just a really fun read. has some recommends. tells you what's coming out. It's, uh, it's a good time. Some humorous articles from Richard and Brian and myself 
So check it out, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash newsletter. Again, one email per month. Not going to overwhelm your inbox. <laughs> so if you like what you hear, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave us five stars on there. We really appreciate it. And if um, if you like what you hear as well, please head on over to wondery.com slash survey. Tell us about yourself. Wondery. Like wonder, like the wonders, the oneaters. Wonder, <laughs> wonder, wondery.com slash survey. Tell us about yourself, where you're from, what you like, and that will help make the show better as well. But until next week, in which we will be talking Suicide Squad, I believe. Uh, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling oh, for salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs>